This is Kotecki on Tech. I am James Kotecki here with ThoughtSpot Chief Data Strategy Officer, Cindy Housen. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. Glad to be here. Okay, Cindy, pop quiz. What does ThoughtSpot mean? Where'd that name come from? The name was formed several years ago, thinking about a place that people can discuss their thoughts, particularly around data. Well, it's kind of like uh, this podcast today, because you're a data person, you're the chief data strategy officer at ThoughtSpot, which as I understand it is a, a search and analytics company. You're also former VP of data and analytics at the analyst firm Gartner. And so we're here to talk about data for good. But first, I just want to understand why are you generally so excited about data? Why are you into this as a career? So really, James, it goes back to more than 20 years ago working for Dow Chemical in Switzerland and just trying to get to data to answer business questions. At that time, one of my favorite business users, he just really wanted to know what were the assets and what was the capacity for these manufacturing assets. And in that time, it was really hard to get that data. Now, I do think over the years, we've done a pretty good job of helping power users get to their data and visualize it. But where ThoughtSpot is different is it really lets the everyday user, business decision maker, retail shop floor manager, ask their own business questions. So it's bringing the consumerization of a Google-like query to data. And is it often the case that people have questions that they want to answer with data that they initially think should be simple to answer or relatively straightforward, and they find out that they're way more complicated than they realized? That can be, sure. So if you're looking at supply chain analytics, for example, you need to know what are your orders coming in, what's your inventory on hand, and what actually shipped. And that data might be across three different systems. And even if you get all that data in one place, what happens under the covers might be a really difficult query. So we want to take the complexity, hide that on the back end, and just make it really easy for any business user to ask their own questions. You recently came back from uh, an event about data for good. Not sure if that was the exact phrase that was used. When in your career did you first start to think about this idea of using data to do good? Yes, so it was more than 10 years ago and I was sitting at a industry conference and I heard an example presented by an insurance company, Nationwide Insurance in the US, talk about how they were using data as an early warning system for students in school to understand if a student started to be maybe getting in more trouble or absenteeism was increasing. And it was really about trying to track high school graduation rates in the inner city in Columbus, Ohio. And not to share too much information in your podcast, James, but I did not have the most idyllic childhood. And I can tell you that education has repeatedly saved my life, my career, everything. Um, and I thought, wow, that is such a good use case. And it really took both the private sector 
but also the nonprofit sector coming together to build this solution. And that was 10 years ago when I used to, in, in my book, one of my books, I used to say, I believe that BI and data can make the world a better place. And 10 years ago, people would kind of giggle and think, wow, Cindy has really been drinking the industry Kool-Aid or champagne too much. But now we actually have a name to this movement and we have several industry conferences. So the one that you saw me tweeting about was hosted by Bloomberg. Now they're sixth year hosting this conference in New York. Over a thousand people attended. So it definitely has momentum. And so is this a concept or is it like a an organizational thing? You mentioned there's multiple conferences. So is it kind of a a rallying cry of a movement? Is there more of an organizational structure around this? What's the shape of it? So it's all of the above. So I would say it starts with the concept and it starts with passion, either from an individual or from several individuals within a company. Even ThoughtSpot, we have, we have, we have one very big data for good project, but there also are dedicated organizations. So one of the most famous well-known in multiple countries is DataKind, and they are a nonprofit that will do both meetups, so data dives, they'll bring people together, say, look at this data, how can we use it to improve something? So one of the things they were talking about was um, soil and uh, just waste removal in Haiti. Um, they've also done things with the Red Cross. There's another organization in Canada. This is several thousand people, again, founded by two people just with a passion in this space called Data for Good Canada. Um, so there's a number of groups that have come together, dedicated organizations, but I would say many conferences now will have at least one talk track around Data for Good, but it requires really ongoing funding, um, expertise, data. A couple of universities have programs. One of them, one of the best known, University of Chicago, Dr. Raid Ghani, he just moved to Carnegie Mellon. So he sponsors so many fellowships a year. Does that help, James? <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so I it sounds like there's a, lot, there's a lot going on and you're obviously really passionate about it. Um, yeah. If... If I put on my super cynical hat, I start to wonder, does the concept of data for good when it is being uh, advocated by for-profit companies, uh, a, a smokescreen or a shield against the way that companies and industries often use data for, if not bad, then you know, at least misusing it or using it for their own purposes and not thinking about the people involved. We don't have to do very much work to dig up headlines about people's data being misused and used for the wrong purposes. I, I imagine that data, the concept of data for good has to be intertwined with private industry because so much of data is housed by private industry and private industry are the ones driving a lot of these technological trends. At the same time, is there some kind of tension there with the motivations of industry and the motivations of this movement? Yes. So great question, James. And go ahead. Let's not let's take it all the way. It's not data for bad. It's data for evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a, a couple things I say here when I consult with organizations who have the passion and desire to start a data for good program, I say flat out, do not do this for marketing purposes. 
if it, it it will smell of inauthenticity. So there has to be a clear focus. Why are you doing this? And for-profit organizations have the data, the expertise, and the money to be part of this movement. And I look at some telecom companies where they're making their data available to look at things like income inequality, or they also just volunteer their experts to work on so many philanthropic projects a year. Bloomberg is a great example of that. MasterCard is another one um, where they donate their data. They're looking at some smart city initiatives. They donate expertise. But there are some that they do it um, maybe more for marketing purposes. It's not part of their core DNA. And then there is there are people that will use it for bad. I mean, I get concerned. We had the recent data breach by an individual who really stole the data. So this Amazon ex-employee who stole personal and financial data. And so they're using it for bad. Or this is where I get worried about some of the AI efforts, facial recognition programs in China. They're using it for ethnic profiling. And then I get worried. So again, education I care about. They're using facial recognition to look at a student if they're actually bored in class, rather than saying, well, how do we make that student learn better or feel more engaged instead they might use it to kick the student out of school Wait, are they do, so I, where are they doing that with the students in china oh my gosh i would have been kicked out of so many classes if i had that facial recognition <laughs> yes boredom is not always the student's fault we have to no, no, keep that in mind of course not some of the examples you just gave there are obviously very concerning what are some examples of data for good that really give you hope what are some other examples that you like to talk about so definitely, I mean, ThoughtSpot, we place big bets. We don't do many small projects. We place big bets. So I love the vision that CancerLink has on using cancer data, the types of care given, and improving the quality of care for cancer patients. And so this is run um, by a nonprofit. They take their data from so many hospitals around the US and they make it available to doctors. So I have such high hopes for this. Another one that will be speaking at our conference is St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. And this is where donations and tracking the impact of donors and doing more targeted campaigns and looking at the effectiveness, we need money for cancer research. And so that's part of it. I also have to say um, homelessness is something I, I care about and looking at what are the needs of the homeless and better providing solutions, how many beds do you need, locating it around veterans affairs um, offices is important. And a new group that I found over the weekend um, also is looking at the data to prevent actually suicides of veterans. So these are some of the people that I think we most should be taking care of that we're not doing such a great job of, and yet data is part of that. Um, the organization looking at trying to save veterans' lives is objective zero. So very much early days, but dedicated to using data for that purpose. So what do you think, as we go forward into this uh, bold new future of data-drenched society, 
are the factors that determine which side wins, good or bad. Because those are some great examples that you gave, but there's a lot of money and a lot of incentive to use data for nefarious purposes. How does that all shake out in the future? Well, at the end of the day, the private sector, they, they have a commitment that they have to grow their businesses and be profitable. And I think it's really interesting that the CEO of BlackRock, one of the biggest private investment firms in the world, said, we will be looking at people's commitment to social responsibility. And if if they are not behaving well or having these programs, we may not prioritize investments there. Now, I would counter argue the best way you can perform. And some CEOs did not agree with um, the BlackRock uh, CEO's comment. But I think you first have to have profitability, a product that people can use, a service that people can use. So your commitment is to your customers, and that's how you also serve your employees. If you also do that in a socially responsible way, then I think that's the best for everyone. I do think there's a lot of bad actors out there, but I do think the more that we call attention to those, I believe that the good will win out over the bad. What does data mean to you, like on an emotional level? Well, I think data becomes facts or is the ultimate truth, even though we can twist it to paint a story the way we want. So um, around our dinner table conversations, we often will argue about the gender pay gap. Is it real or is it not real? Or climate change, is it real, is it not real? In the private sector, it will be, are our sales growing in the right segments or not? And it is the information behind that that will give you the ultimate truth to those different stories or opinions. So I think data allows us to um, form those hypotheses, make those decisions in a world that's moving faster and faster. So we can go back to the days of it's a wonderful life and you're the bank teller and you know every single account holder. That's not where we are today. At a swipe on your phone, customers churn, they change retailers. And so data really lets people um, compete better. But all that data is what lets you know that individual customer in a different way. Do you think we will achieve uh, pay equity and kind of gender equity in tech uh, are we on a path to achieve that in the next 10, 20 years? I mean, it still seems like we've, we've been talking about it for a while. It still seems pretty bleak. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> you put the timeline far enough out. 20 years, maybe. 10 years, no way. We have too much unconscious bias and a lot of other challenges to overcome before we get there. But I'm, I think we're, we are making progress and I see such great signs of hope here. Cindy Housen is the Chief Data Strategy Officer at ThoughtSpot. Thank you for joining me on Kotechi on Tech. Thank you for having me, James.